This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more specific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dean Hallatel. everyone, and welcome to the show. We've got plenty coming up in the next hour, including a look back on the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with Melanie Kawa and we've got a new question for you can ask that. I just have to correct something that I said last week. I okay. gave, well, what, are you, what are you circling back on? I gave Tom Brady an extra couple of years on his... <laughs> I, I love that you're circling back to, to clarify that. Yeah. I said well, it's was, important. We're talking about how good he was at the age of 45 or six, but he's actually 44. So Damn, he really you know, did that a couple of brought that to my attention and yeah, maybe I was just jealous that he's <laughs> mid forties and maybe so. still. Maybe so. Anyway, any stories from you this week, Sarah? I do have a story. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a little bit random, right? So I've just been trying my hand at different commentary jobs, different broadcasts. But I've landed myself um, a cricket gig with the Sydney Sixers. And um, can I just say, I've never done ground MC work before, but it was such a character building task, like to walk around and to like just throw myself at people being like, do you want to be interviewed? And then doing dance cam and then emoji cam, emoji cam killed me. Like it really killed me. So I was walking around and I have a ground manager and she was like, Sarah, um, so like the next segment is going to be um, emoji cam. And I was like, okay, what's emoji cam? She's like, basically like an emoji will show up on the screen. You have to, you, this is the part that killed me. You have to do the face first. And then it kind of like sets the trend for how the activation goes. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. Like what's, what's the emoji? And I kid you not, it could not be an uglier emoji face. Like I thought it was going to be like a smiley face was or it? like a kid, like a, a pout. It was like, like, like tongue out the side, cross-eyed like thing. And so my face comes up on the SCG and there's two big screens <laughs> at the SCG with my tongue hanging out the side of my face, cross-eyed. And I just, I could not, like, I couldn't hide from it. And it was so embarrassing. And I thought not because like my world, like as you guys know, like I'm a rugby player, so I don't, like that's the only sport I watch, it's still a legal union. So I thought, well, I don't really have any cricket friends. I kid you not. I saw so many people that I knew <laughs> at cricket. Was there any posts, any social posts for the big screen with your no, face? No, my it? friend just like took a picture of the screen and she was like, you're doing great, sweetie. And I was like, sweetie, <laughs> I'm dying on these streets. But I mean, look, to be fair, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I've, I don't follow cricket um, much, but it was, a, it was a fabulous experience. I'd love to go and just uh, be a spectator and not be a person that has her tongue hanging out the side of her mouth on the screen for 15,000 people to see. I think the short format's a good, a good version for people to get into cricket that don't normally watch it. So yeah. 20 overs is really good. But good on you for getting out there and having a go. Th- thank you so Put much. Putting yourself Dean. out there. Yes, thank you. Yeah. But enough about me, Dean. Anything happening in your world? Well, I didn't go and ground host any, um, <laughs> any sporting events in the weekend. You don't need to do that to be great. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> I um yeah, I haven't to be honest, I haven't been up to much other than still doing home renovations. Have you finished that deck? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. It okay. came up really good. I'm happy with it. How far is it off the ground? Well, it's like it's only it's less than a meter off the ground. It's okay. like almost it's a ground level deck, but it was an extension of another deck I built. So it's like it's looking like really complete. Dean the builder, eh? Yeah. It takes me so long, but because I am not a builder, yeah. like I really pedantic YouTube, with things. Yeah, yeah, go through everything shy. and but I'm happy with it. So that, that was all I did on the weekend and hung out with my beautiful family, of course. Oh, I love that. What's our top story for this week, Sarah? Keeping in the spirit of cricket, our top story this week is about Ajaz Patel, who did something pretty incredible. 
He took 10 wickets in one innings against India on the weekend, which is huge. 10 wickets, that's, that's all of their wickets gone in one Ten innings. 10 wickets. It was a field day. Do you reckon the rest of the bowlers were just like, oh, are you going to give us a go? Like, we... Yeah, they'd have been a bit salty being like, share a bit of the limelight, mate. Ajaz Patel, Kiwi cricketer, black cap cricketer. He comes up against, he was actually born in Mumbai, so he's playing against India and he, um, he got 10 wickets in that first innings. And then another four in the second innings. So 14 wickets from one match. Yes. That is, that's goat status stuff, surely. Yeah, well, he's, he's only young in his career, I'm going to say. So he's, he's still got a long way to go, but he set a pretty high, pretty high bar early on. Yeah, speaking of high bar, he's the third player to achieve the 10-wicket feat in the 144-year history of Test cricket. So, again, goat status. Well, when I, when I heard this stat, I was thinking, well, surely there's been more than three. Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing. But 10 wickets to one person in that Goes to show how, like, difficult cricket is. Yeah, cricket. I'm so bad at cricket. Like how many got like, <laughs> I mean, it's not about you. It's about. No, sorry. Him. You were just, just saying how, how hard <laughs> cricket is. And it just made me think, yeah, I'm, I suck at cricket. Well, it makes me think about AJ, right? How many, how many tries, like max tries for like say four or five tries in our match? Yeah. Alex yeah, Johnson? yeah. So is that, is that the same or not? It's completely different playing. Fields. No, no, that, that, that's a pretty good comparison. I reckon like five tries in a match would be um, probably comparable to 10 wickets. wickets. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to say that's, that's up there. Oh, actually, Josh had a car. He got six in one match. Ah, uh, so fox. sorry, AJ. We love you, but just take a seat for this one. So, I'm seeing a bit of a trend here. Do, do you want to see what, the trend is? People that have A's in like their first or last name. Wow. Like Alex, a, a Jazz, Alex, Addo. <laughs> so D and S, we no, don't good. have it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was our top story for the week. Well, let's flip our uh, attention now to rugby, uh, your favourite game, the game they play in heaven, but the Rugby Sevens yes. continued in Dubai over the weekend. Yes, it was the second leg of the World Circuit, which we know uh, stayed in Dubai. Fiji in both the men's and women's sides uh, did well, uh, not so much the men. They finished in sixth place uh, and South Africa won for, for the men's. However, for the women's, Fiji, again, another really strong campaign, strong wins against Ireland, USA, Great Britain, France, and then they had their final against Australia, who we know secured the title last week. So it was always going to be a hard match, um, and unfortunately they fell short 15-5. Pretty devastating because the girls have been right in the thick of it. Like you think about Tokyo, you think about last week, they keep finishing in second place. So I don't necessarily know what their stuck point is, but they are on the cusp of greatness. They're having some really good wins, but in, in those tournaments, obviously Australia, a, a pretty strong team in, in sevens. So they didn't do too well though in Tokyo and yeah. they were very devastated about that. And they came back and they've spoken openly about a really tough preseason and wanting to rebuild. Cause obviously they were tipped as hot, hot favorites after yeah. Rio. So they're in a really strong rebuild phase at the minute. So I just, I'm a little bit salty because I just want Fiji right there, but they're, they're not finishing. But you got that place. little soft spot for your, your, oh, counter, of your course, counterparts of course, in the, of in the course. Aussies, yeah. Really difficult for Fiji because they've always been around the, the top three. And as we know, in the Olympics, they had that fantastic match against uh, the Black Ferns. But, you know, third place, last week, second, this week, second again. They, they have a fire in their belly. They do. And their results are really close. When you win close yeah. games, it builds your confidence and, you know, you've got that extra edge over teams. So the win's just around the corner. Yes, it is. And in lighter news, uh, Jerry Tawai, the World Rugby Sevens Player of the Decade, uh, got married earlier this week. Yes, Jerry married Mariani Tupo last week and 
it's good for him because he, he went away. He's been touring a lot and she spoke about this in, mm. in some of the interviews she's done since about Jerry being away with rugby and, and the, the toll that it, not the toll that it took, but the time that it takes him away from family and relationships. So um, it's great that him having some downtime now, being able to celebrate getting married and starting a family, I guess. It's a really beautiful moment for them. So all the best guys. Off the pitch and onto the court, WNBL round one took place between the Sydney Uni Flames and UC Capitals, where the Sydney Uni Flames fell short by three points, 58 to 55. Yeah, a number of Pacifica players in both teams, well, sorry, one in each team, I should say, Kalani Purcell. Uh, she had a free throw point. She got eight rebounds, four assists and three steals, so very active around mm. the ball. And for the Capitals, Talia Tupaya, uh, she had three points and one block. Unfortunately, she came off in the first quarter with a shoulder injury, only nine minutes on the court. Devastating. I hope she, she recovers quickly because it's only round one. Yeah, it's only round one, but great to see the WNBL kick off. Yes. Tip off. I did this last tip. week. Tip off. <laughs> tip You've got to get your terminology right. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. No, solid result. And in the NBL, round one kicked off as well. Yes, and uh, we spoke to Tane Samuel last week, who's a development player with the Brisbane Bullets. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play, but the Brisbane Bullets went down to the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, 83 to 74. Obviously, he's going to be hoping to get some more court time as the season uh, gets further underway. In other results, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix beat the New Zealand Breakers, 89 to 65. The Sydney Kings took on Melbourne United on Sunday and defeated them, 79 to 74. A competition that is not in round one, but actually round 13 is the NFL. And Dean, give us a bit of an update. I know that Fantasy League is absolutely your jam, but you are all over this one. Yeah, Fantasy League. Better week this week for me. Yeah, how'd you go? Three from four. Three. Hey, that's a yeah, huge last improvement. Last week I was zero from four, so that's yeah. A, yeah, it's all it's all positive. I'm going to make the finals. Can only get better, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll make the finals in two competitions. So gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah, I made the finals. Um, in actual results in the real life version of the game, the Miami Dolphins, who we keep <laughs> keep following for their quarterback to a tongue of Iowa, uh, he's having a really good season. He he had a few injury interruptions, but he's back on track now. And I think the Miami Dolphins are five or six in a row. They beat the Giants 20 to nine, 20 points to nine. So it was a low scoring match. Um, but again, he was over 240 throwing yards, a couple of TDs, no interceptions. He had a, a quarterback rating of over 100, which is huge. Um, so Tua keeps guiding them forward. Um, Oh, shout out to the Detroit Lions. Penny uh, Sewell, who's their left tackles. He's a left tackle for them. Uh, they have not won a game this year. Up until the weekend, they beat the Minnesota Vikings yeah, wow. 29 to 27. So a big result for the Lions. They celebrated like they won the grand final. So um, <laughs> Carry on. When you're, when you're naught from 12 uh, in terms of wins before that, then um, they've got every reason to do that. Jordan Mylata from the Philadelphia Eagles. They continue on a bit of a streak, 33 to 18. They beat the New York Jets, who are um, not really a heavyweight in the competition, but a good result for Philadelphia nonetheless. And I just want to mention Vita Vey maintained all his teeth this week, didn't get any knocked out <laughs> as Tampa Bay rolled Atlanta 30 points to 17. Do you reckon the follow went to put a mouth guard in? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure he had a mouth guard in last week. He just was the force of the contact, and yeah, but he took it pretty well. Anytime that you're keeping all your teeth, it's a good game. Yes, indeed. What's our lesson for this week, Dean? So I'm going to, there's, there's like a lot of rules in NFL. It's very technical. There's a lot of stoppages. But one of the rules that um, is a really big protection rule for like the most valuable player on the team, which is the quarterback, is roughing the passer. So when a, whenever a quarterback lets go of the ball, if he gets hit and knocked in any sort of way, even if it like seems pretty minor, they pretty much throw a flag every time. I remember I spoke about flags yes. being penalties that come to the field, and it's called roughing the passer. So 
the quarterbacks are really protected species. There's a number of quarterbacks that, that run the ball really well. Lamar Jackson's one um, plays for the Baltimore Ravens. They, those all-round athletes, really strong, really fast, really agile, great skills. So they'll take the defensive lines on and they'll run quite a bit. But if they get hit after they've released the ball or if they're on the ground and, and the down's complete and then someone comes in and lands on them, there's a penalty for roughing the passer, which I'll, I think it's about a – I'm going to say it's a 10-yard penalty against the defensive team if they do that. So – very, very protected in NFL, the quarterbacks. They're the golden golden boys of the yeah, competition. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. They generally get MVP when they win Super not, Bowls and not, stuff. Not acknowledging the people that protect them to make them look like that. Everyone knows. That's just, they all have roles, specific roles, and they all know their roles. And um, if they do them well, the quarterback looks like a genius, and that's what it's all about. Quarterbacks would make great hookers in rugby if they can pass that yes. long yeah, in yeah. accuracy. Yeah, good. it's a good um, analogy. Fantastic wrap-up, Dean. That was Sport This Week. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we are very lucky to have um, an incredible woman with us. Her name is Melanie Kawa. She is a PNG representative who has uh, balled out in both the 7s and 15s coach. She's a current Super W player uh, with the Melbourne Rebels and she's just recently been named their captain. Melanie, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you for having me, Seth. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We are stoked to have you. Well, we always like to, to take it right to the very beginning, to the core of our, our guests. So could you please tell us where you and your family are from? Well, I was born and raised in Papua New Guinea um, until I was 14 years old. My father's from Papua New Guinea in the Highlands and my mother's Australian. So, um, yeah, grew up uh, in Ley on the coast there and had a wonderful childhood filled with lots of barefoot running around um, <laughs> and eating lots of organic food. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, just moved to Australia uh, for high school. Melanie, what was it like making that change, moving from Papua New Guinea? I know you're only 14, but can you remember what the the change was like moving over to Australia? Absolutely. It was a huge culture shock. I think my brother and I cried for the first few months. We really oh. didn't, um, yeah, we really couldn't understand or fit into just how Western uh, the style of life was. But then, sure enough, we realised how much opportunity it presented us um, in terms of you know, higher education and particularly sport. I was able to, um, for the first time, sort of play really high competitive sport and I just loved that. Were you able to maintain a lot of um, or as much as possible any traditions or cultures, uh, cultural customs that you um, did enjoy as a young person back in Papua New Guinea? Yeah, fortunately I did. Um, we moved to Cairns, which basically some people say is just another city in Papua New Guinea. There are so many <laughs> Papua New Guineans living in Cairns. Um, you know, we hang out there at Rusty's Market. And um, no, so there were a lot of trips sort of back and forth um, to ease my way into that life and, and away from my family back in PNG. So, yeah, really fortunate that it's still close. Um, maintained the language, maintained a lot um, in terms of cultural connection as much as I could. Uh, and my mother, obviously, she lived in Papua New Guinea for 20 plus years. Yeah, wow. So she maintained that that was really important for her to um, have her children, yeah, stay, stay connected. And um, yeah, we've been fortunate, my brother and I, to carry that around the world wherever we go, that sort of sense of, um, yeah, pride and belonging to Papua New Guinea as well. That's really important and so great to hear. Talking about your, your journey in rugby, where did it all start for you? So my 
rugby journey, people would have thought I'd played league considering that's the national sport yeah. of Papua New Guinea, but I, I never touched it. It's so funny. I was at university um, and fortunate enough to play for one of the great varsity clubs of Australia's, you know, in their history, which in the um, University of Queensland, Red Heavies there. So that UQA. was my very first. Yes. I'm <laughs> diehard from the start. It was my introduction to um, just this this winning culture and this actual um, almost like a, yeah, a rugby nursery for wallabies and captains of the wallabies and wallaroos. They really, really had a, a great interest in excellence in rugby. So I was fortunate enough to go to that, that club. Um, and I fell in love with the game. It was more or less the social side of it that won me over for the first five, I'd say five or six years, very much just there for the girls and the Saturday afternoons at the club um and then I just you know from watching it and just being around that sort of excellence level Mm. I decided to take it a little bit more seriously after a coach tapped me on the shoulder and and um I haven't looked back since it's honestly changed my life um and yeah I I owe a lot to rugby what is it about the game that that you really love like what what was the first thing obviously you said the the social side of it was great um mixing with the girls but what what's the the big draw card for you to rugby you know what it was? I'm, I'm, I'm small. I'm short. Uh, I'm sort of like stocky. And I was like, I, I couldn't make it in netball. I wasn't too tall. So I, I just found that whatever shape size you are, whatever your strength or skill, rugby will find a position for you and just take you in. And then you will be an integral part of that team. So it really depended on the inclusivity of the game. So it was a way to meet people that I'd never met before. And um, basically the physicality of it, there's something in that you're actually putting your body on the line every game. And in that sort of like heat and struggle, we shake hands at the end of it and respect each other just as much. And it's, it's just this great, great game. Well, that's why they say it's the game they play in heaven. Cause it's that bloody great. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Mel, I now know you as a Melbourne rebel player who competes in a super W and I've, I've had the, the opportunity to play against you. And although you are small, you are a menace, an absolute menace over the ball. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the club that you're part of. How long have you been at the Rebels for? And, um, you know, we will touch on some incredible news that have emerged from your club. But what has the journey been like for you since you've joined the Rebels to date? So I luckily moved down in uh, late 2019, just in time for season one and for COVID. <laughs> um, mm. But I just found that in Melbourne and Victoria, coming from uh, Queensland, where it's sort of, as I said, coming from that excellence culture, that the community aspect about Melbourne and Victoria was what I fell in love with. It was almost like going back to that social time when I was just enjoying my rugby so much. Mm. Um, And Melbourne being maybe arguably the best sporting city in the world, the way that the city is literally set up is for sport. You know, you can yeah. go to the MCG, then you can go watch the Australian Open, then you can go, um, you know, anywhere. It's They just want this excellence as well. So they're building to be the city that, you know, the Rugby World Cups are played in. So just being in this environment, you see the growth opportunity and you see a, a whole lot of untapped potential perhaps because – um, sports saturated, there are a whole lot of other sports, but rugby has the potential to um, start something, particularly in uh, young women and girls. So, yeah, I found my place here and just have enjoyed seeing people adopt the game. 
and and they're really good at it as well. And so developing that sort of Melbourne, um, Burn City style of rugby has Burn been City. has been one of the most yeah one of the most um, you know proud moments in my whole career. Well, mainly talking about opportunities for for young people to get into to rugby, can you tell us a little bit about your work uh, as a development officer with Victoria Rugby? Yeah, so the first thing I do whenever I move somewhere new is I either find a rugby team or somewhere to get involved so I can make some new friends and and some networks. And so I started as a development officer, Rugby Vic, and that was literally taking a bag of rugby balls and going out to spread the gospel of rugby around Victoria. (laughs) Um, The first thing kids do when they pick up the rugby ball is bounce it like AFL ball. So there's a lot of patience here. Um, But man, when particularly in like um, the state school system when there are so many uh, Pacific Islanders, I think 75% of the playing community down here in rugby uh, Vic is, is Pacific Islander. So getting um, them to adopt a sport that, you know, that, that they're pound for pound the best in the world at, you know, yeah. um, and really nourishing in them and like mentoring them to see pathways for themselves uh, through sport. Yeah, that was, it's really powerful down here in Victoria to be doing that. That's really cool. Now, the burning question that I want to ask is, recently the Melbourne Rebels came out and said in the 2022 season their women players will be paid. So what does it mean to be part of the first team in the Super W to pay their players? Oh, look, that was a momentous occasion. Um, the Melbourne Rebels, like as I said, there's this community that's so tight-knit because we recognise um, that we're, we're in AFL heartland or whatever. Um, and for the CEO and the chairman to stand in front of um, the team, the women's team, the coaches, the managers, with all the sponsors, with the um, coaching and management team from the men's team, all there and say to us that they respected and valued us as professional athletes and they understood the hours and months of training that we put in to wear and represent the jersey for Melbourne and, uh, you know, take that next step forward and recognise us as professionals was, yeah, perhaps like one of the proudest moments, again, in my career here in Melbourne. Um, And we're just so looking forward to the way that's going to shift um, our perceptions of ourselves Mm. Uh, because we've always known that we're, we give our everything and we dedicated and we, there's actually nothing more you could ask from us in terms of sacrifice for the game. So now that's a little bit of pressure off us. And I think it's just going to allow us to go that extra bit harder, knowing that um, we have some financial backing and can support ourselves and our family through the next season. I love hearing all about it and it gives me goosebumps because I really believe that because of what Melbourne Rebels have done, you guys have set, um, you've, you've led by example and now every other organisation, every other club will, will loyally follow suit and hopefully much sooner than later. Um, you know, you talk about that financial component. Do you, do you believe that with these payments coming on board, it will also relieve the stress of girls, um, I guess, having to stretch themselves so thin because right now, you know, we work nine to five and then you're on the pitch at six o'clock for training. Do you feel like girls will be able to make some, um, like a little bit couple more compromises but that will work to their benefit or being relieved from having to be on all the time absolutely i mean it it just is so logical and it's a common sense step that for the work that you someone does because you know as you said it's a part-time job and all of us have some full-time job capacity going on at the same time Mm. so this is like getting reward for 
extra work that you do. Um, fuel is nearly $2 a litre, girl. Like it needs, we know <laughs> how expensive it is to cut around. You know, some of us are driving, Melbourne's quite big and, and we're spread out all yeah. around with our training. Uh, so, you know, it can take like two, two and a half hours just to get home. And we're in Metro Melbourne. So any little bit is going to help. But particularly, I think, um, and this is not to, you know, stay negative, but the years that women in the game, and this is not just the Melbourne Rebels, this is everybody in the history of Australian women's rugby that have pushed to get this sort of high-level representation have sacrificed. I'm talking levies that they've paid, um, things that they've had to buy for themselves that have never were never prepared for them. Um, in, uh, I'm going blank. Like annual leave that we've had to take away, that's hard-earned time supposed to be you know spent with their family and we choose our rugby families every year to make competitions feasible yeah. so the, in in that sense that's going to make it so much easier um to make the decision to go away and play rugby now that um we'll, we'll be able to spend uh, uh you know time and money uh, on other things that we choose i'm loving hearing what the commitment that melbourne rebels are making to to make lives a lot easier for, for yourselves in terms of compensating you and, and also um, being a part of the club. You mentioned community. It is a, a community club. But last weekend you, you had a, an all-in training session with um, all teams so from the cool. club together. How was that experience? Unbelievable. I mean, just to be around because they're, they're a fully-fledged unit. You know, the, the Melbourne Rebels is over 10 years old now. I think they're going into their 12th season. And, you know, because of COVID, for the last two seasons, unfortunately, we saw hardly any of our men's team. Um, because just as we are players for the Melbourne Rebels, we're fans as well. So we missed the guys. Um, you know, we had, we'd only seen their faces on TV if they were playing overseas for Wallabies or, or Barbarians even. Um, so just to be right next to them and have them say to us, we're so proud that you're here. Um, and then, you know, in the actual training, they, I'm pretty sure they hammed it up a bit. Like I've never been in such an intense training session <laughs> or everyone would just get their chatter up and everyone's like putting wax on and I'm like, hang on. <laughs> You're just Since doing it. it to the girls. <laughs> yeah, but, um, they, they really didn't uh, sort of just respect it. It was like from one team to the other, let's, let's go out there and um, do our best. So okay. it was just fantastic. And some of their coaching squad, uh, is uh, like some of their forwards coaches coach with the Wallabies as well. So we're getting that sort of direct access to their resources. And I believe the Melbourne Rebels are going to, uh, we're going to have some more, more shared sessions because uh, there's one gym. And so everyone's going to have that sort of connection. And, and just like I said it on the ABC, I said that cross-pollination, I was able to go up to my opposite number and discuss with him specifically, position-specific things and, and yeah, it was just fantastic. And the best thing was that the fans came down and saw one club. There were two teams. There was just a host of pink jerseys everywhere and young girls and young boys and all the parents could just see this is a viable option for all of my kids. Well, as the saying goes, you can't be what you can't see. So that is a fantastic example of what um, rugby is and what it can be for, for the next generation. It's been so heartwarming to, to hear about your journey and also to hear about the recent um, success of the Melbourne Rebels. And, you know, I truly believe the best days are ahead for, for not only the women's side, but just for the whole club in general. Um, 
Mel, before we let you go, we like to end on a light note with a little segment we call Tip On in the, the true nature of footy. Um, and it's just 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. So if you're up for it, we'd love to uh, play it with you. Okay, let's see how we go. Awesome. Don't think too hard. You just have to say the first thing that comes to mind, okay? All right. All right, sweet. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Oh, my gosh. TikTok? That's terrible, isn't it? That's a terrible <laughs> habit from... Um, from lockdown, so Spain. yeah. <laughs> what was your first concert? I went to Sean Paul in Brisbane when I was. Why am uh, I not shocked 18? by that? Who was your <laughs> Who was your most annoying teammate? Annoying, um, maybe Sugar. She's always up to something. Ashley Masters. <laughs> oh yes. Who was your sporting hero? Oh, growing up. Um, he was a soccer player. His name was uh, Michael Owen. He played for Liverpool and uh, I was just obsessed with him. <laughs> Sweet. Who are, sorry, what would be your wrestler entrance song? Ooh, um, there's a Missy Elliott song called Sock It To Me and I, I do that now. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, Hook with uh, Robin Williams uh, about Peter Pan. Cool. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a month straight? Um... Probably chicken every type of way. <laughs> chicken every type of way. Good answer. Oh, that's great, Dean. As you as you were read, uh, sorry, as you were saying your answers, Dean was clapping in the air. It's it a really a good, good answer. Yeah. I liked. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hook was a great movie. Hook. Yeah. Do you remember Hook? You're too. You're too young. Nah. Well, Mel, again, thank you so much for joining Dana and I on Can You Be More Pacific. You are an incredible athlete and by all sounds and all experiences, um, a fantastic human too. And I look forward to, to coming up against you in the 2022 Super W season. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dan. Honestly, it's, um, I love what you're doing here and sharing stories. That's, that's the best we can do, hey, is just share our own experiences for others. So thank you for what you're doing. And yes, I can't wait to um, see you next year, girl. And look, I really hope it's not too far away that um, your club does the right thing by you, girl. So thank you. I received that. That was a great chat from Melanie Kawa. She's a rugby player with the Melbourne Rebels. She's a captain. She's a former PNG rep. And that was a great interview. I got like goosebumps listening to her talk about that. Me too. That has to be up there with one of my favorite interviews throughout this season. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're back with our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. And basically this is an opportunity for our listeners to ask either a current or previous former. <laughs> former. Previous former, former, it doesn't previous matter, it's former, the same yeah. thing. Uh, former athlete, anything. If you've got a question, you can send it through to us on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitau. And this week we have a question from Atasi in Goulburn. And it's a good one because I think both of us can contribute to this quite well. The question is, what is it like experiencing or witnessing a serious injury on field and how does it impact you coming back to play? It's a tough question. Good question. It's a real question. Thanks, Atasi. And look, it's... Um, I'll, I'll let you go first, Sarah. Okay. I have, I'll, I'll talk about experiencing a serious injury on field. So I've done my AC, my left ACL and then I broke my leg last year. So I did my CND and fibula. Um, and it is the most daunting thing. And the one thing that you just, ha- like, you know, it's something that comes with the game, but when it happens to you, it's like so devastating. And they've both happened like while I've been on field and you just know, like when something happened, like when you're hit and you've fallen the wrong way or someone's landed on you, or you've heard a crack or a click, 
like straight away, instantly, you know that something's wrong. And I think like talking about my most recent experience, which is last year, we were down in the Shire playing in a tournament that I didn't even want to play in. Like I'd felt like I'd played so much football, like while it was, you know, a shortened season. I I felt like I just trained and played all year and I didn't want to play the tournament. So I was already a bit like salty heading into it. And then when it happened, all I could think about was what I was actually training and playing for, which was we had a Wallaroos camp scheduled for December. And the thought of missing out on that after not having any camps was so hard. And I just remember being on the field, Fizzo runs on and he's trying to test me. And I like, I knew straight away cause I couldn't even get up. And I was like, dude, like stop trying to test me on the field. Like take me off. Like you're making a scene. So then we got off and then I was just, like, I just started crying. Cause you know, just, I knew something was wrong. Like my leg didn't feel right. And, um, funnily enough, he goes to me, Oh, I think you've done your syndesmosis. And I was like, what? He goes, syndesmosis. I said, what's that? Do I even have that? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. And then I think the, the, like the whole process of, you know, go, like I went into a hospital that night, straight into emergency and then you go see a specialist and then you're talking about surgery. So like within 72 hours I had injured myself and I was on a surgery table. And then I think coming out of it when like I woke up in my room, I'm like fire out, like the road of rehab is the most daunting it's the hardest thing, both like emotionally, phys- physically and mentally. Um, but you, you know, when you have a goal of what you want to achieve, you just commit to the process wholeheartedly. And yeah, like injury is hard and it sucks because it just, it sets you back in so many ways. And it doesn't just even affect the, the football component. Like I couldn't go to work. It was my right foot. I couldn't drive. Um, and I was just relying so heavily on the people around me and to be fair, probably strained a couple of relationships because like I couldn't even carry my own plate from like the kitchen bench because I was on crutches and in a boot for a whole month. Like, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't like it. (laughs) It goes far to say is I hate it, but I accept that it comes with playing a contact sport. So, um, I guess when you, when you make your return to play, it gives you a greater sense of appreciation for what you get to do and makes you want to work a hell of a lot harder because you just see like you know nothing sucks more than you can speak to this of like when you're doing rehab and you see all your mates playing on the field and you're like they're flogging yourself on a machine man that damn rower damn that damn rower <laughs> but <laughs> one, yeah that's one my legged rower with the boot on oh the worst the worst yeah well i actually i've done the same the same injury i've broken my left ankle fib Sinusmos yeah. has gone, same thing, had to go get surgery. The doctor at the time, buddy, said, I'll just take some Panadol, go home, and I'll see you on Monday. This is oh. a Saturday night. This is a – anyway, I don't want to bag the doctor out about it too much. But bag him, I say. It was so weird. Anyway, I've done the same thing, but I couldn't agree more. It's it's a devastating feeling when you you do have goals and, and you feel like things may be going well mm. in a season or the way you're playing, and then to, to all of a sudden get hit with an injury, it – um. If in that moment it throws everything into disarray, and um, I, I had enough, I had I reckon I missed close to a season and a half worth of games through injuries over oh, my whole wow. career, and um, broken leg was one of them. I didn't do my ACL, but I done my MCL on my right knee like okay. six times, and there was a few moments there. The probably the fifth time or fourth time I done that, I was almost ready to to chuck it in, like I was going to say I was going to quit because I'd done it so many times, but. I think one thing you get when you when you do have an injury is you learn how to bounce back, and you can. It's it's a really good learning experience because I was lucky in that playing NRL. We had really good, other than broken leg guy. We had really good medical staff 
around us that worked with us constantly every day to try and, and, and you're right, you, you are stuck in the gym as your teammates go out to, to go on the field and, and do what you love doing, but you're on a machine flogging yourself, getting, you know, trying to get back on the field. And as lonely as that is, I know that it's a part of the process that the staff had given me and that I'd gotten through it a number of times. So it gave every time that I got injured, it was deflating, but I knew I'd been there before and I was very confident that I could trust the process and get back on the field um, within the time that, that they told me I'd get back on the field. And yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you miss, you miss game time and you miss um, being out there with your teammates. But um, I, I do believe it's character building when you go yeah. through those experiences and um, there's a lot of trust you put in others around you. But um, and, and like you say, to rely on other people. I know when I broke my leg, same thing on crutches, we actually moved into a new house Oof. and then, um, yeah, we had, uh, we had our second daughter as well. So during all that sort of recovery and having to rely on my wife so much, I was, I felt like a burden, but, yeah. um, yeah, it, it, you get through it and, um, you just, like I said, it's a big trust piece on those around you. It begs the question, like, were you nervous your first game back? Like, will I injure my leg again or will I redo my injury? Nervous on my when I hurt my knee, like because I or just it, any injury. Yeah, I'd had another shot. Like I've had a bunch of injuries, but the the ones that were sort of repeated, so the knee ones, I was really nervous about that. And then I'd have to strap up every training session, strap the knee. It wasn't until I actually retired that I stopped strapping my knee when I mm. whenever I'd run because I didn't have a strap up there with me to do it. <laughs> um, but the broken leg, I wasn't that nervous because I was more concerned about the weight that I'd put on because I'd been in the gym like for a, like a long time before I got back on the field. So I was more worried about my fitness rather than the actual injury itself. What about you? That's so funny. I, I think I was, I, I probably was a little bit worried, um, particularly with my knee, not so much my ankle. Cause I knew I'd done, and for in both processes, like I knew I'd done the process well, but I think the thought of what if it happens again, I cannot go through. I think the fear of doing rehab again was what scared me. Cause I'm like that was lonely and it was hard and just like it, it requires so much right um but there, there were definitely a couple of moments I think it was more so like because yeah like there's stages to your return to play right so yeah. when it was like you know like shoulders on like okay cool and then it's like all right get on your knees and be tackled and be the tackler um like you kind of build your confidence through there so by the time that you're actually given the opportunity to play um you just go out and play. So, cause I'd done that well, I was like, okay, it's fine. The only thing that's, I guess, instilling the fear of God in me is if something happens and I have to do rehab again. But with my most recent injury, my first get like first full session back, the Aussie sevens girls came out to play the Waratahs. And I was like, great. So are you going to tell me like my first session is me trying to, trying to chase, trying to chase Charlotte Kazalik down the middle of the field? Like <laughs> what the hell? Um, so yeah, like it, it was fabulous. Again, I think both of us can acknowledge that injury does come with sport, contact sport, but um, it never gets easier. <laughs> never gets easier, but we can accept that it comes with it. So that was that was a, that was a good chat. Yeah, really good chat. Good question, Natasi. Thanks very much for sending it through. If you've got a question, you can send it to Sarah or myself on our Instagrams at Sarah Nangama or at Dean Hallertel. We're open. Yes, come through, please. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean, and we're talking all things sport across the Pacific. 
Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials to talk about. We tackle the tough headlines in the ruck and we have music from a new local artist. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. This week for Keeping It Social, we both have found something, but Dean, something was brought to my attention and I have a serious qualm with it. What's your qualm? My qualm is the last time you posted something on Instagram was 43 weeks ago. Is that correct? It was probably 50 weeks before that one. (laughs) I I put stuff on the stories. I don't really put posts up. I I don't know. It's just not. And I just, I feel like, I feel really seen right now because like last week I posted three times and I was so aware of it. (laughs) Look, I'll, I'll try and be better, but I'm not a very active social person. I mean, I'm not asking you to increase your, your post rate. Well, I'm just, it's, it's simply an observation, but also. A story, the stories don't count. But like, is that not counting for. Mate, that's only there for 12 hours. Yeah, that's enough. 12, 24, that's 24 enough. hours. That's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Anyway, what's your social, <laughs> what did you find this week, Sarah? Well, as we know, the Super Rugby Pacific competition is coming up in 2022. Fiji and Drua are currently based in Lennox Head. And, you know, this time of the year, I'm currently in it. It's preseason time. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Don't even get me started on training last night. I nearly threw my boot at my trainer. Um, But this week's post was found on samharrison.coach. That's a username. And he's their SNC coach. And it was basically like this reel of them in the gym. But it was just so mad to see like Drew are here and they're going to compete next year. And I just, I loved it. It was just a, you know, one of those pieces where you're like, yeah, we're all working. We're all grinding. Oh God, I really said grinding. <laughs> all grinding. So, um, I mean, it's, it's nothing funny. It's just more like a, it got me ramped up. Yeah. It's like, it's funny. Preseason is a lot really hard. Like you say, you, you, you don't look forward to when they're starting, but once you're about I don't know, three or four weeks in, you start to feel really fit, really good about yourself. And then you like, you don't strut around a bit, but you feel really healthy. Elite. And yeah. You feel elite because you've been on the grind. <laughs> it's a good clip. And there's a bit of dancing. And, a, and well. it's a great tune. such a vibe. It is a vibe. That's yeah. like, that's pre-season. Makes you want to go to the gym. Okay. Yeah. No, miss me with that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dean? In your 44 days of inactivity on your grid, what's been happening? 43 weeks. Oh, 43. My bad. 43. I, I can still go on. I just don't post. But uh, I've stumbled across this one from World Rugby on Instagram and it's a blooper reel. Who doesn't love a blooper reel? We love a blooper reel. And it's just a series of yeah, accidents on the field, mostly involving officials, which, you know, I stick up for officials, but you really um, do. there's a couple of decent stacks that some officials make over advertising signs, <laughs> over players. Uh, there's players face planting in the ground and getting some grass burn, no doubt, on their face. So, and there's like, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say Benny Hill because you wouldn't understand the Benny Hill music, but like it's this music in the background, like it's, yeah, sort of like that sort of sound. All right. Anyway, listen to it now. <laughs> Look at this commitment. Plums off. It's a grass burn all the way up your face. Oh my god, I totally get what you mean. That really is funny. It is. It is funny. <laughs> well, I've never funny seen you stuff. laugh. I've never seen you laugh so hard at a social. So I'm really impressed with. Uh, I'll keep with your coming. research. Yeah, I'll keep. I'll keep scouring the uh, up and at him. Up and at him with them social posts. Yeah. Love it. 
in the ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the ruck, not so many tough headlines, but some heartwarming ones. Yes, heartwarming stories indeed. The super rugby teams in New Zealand have unveiled their new jerseys for the 2022 season. Yes, the five New Zealand super rugby teams, they uh, came out with their with their jerseys for home and away. It is the inaugural super rugby Pacific competition because, as we know, it takes on a new format. But um, the Graham have been pinging with all of their new kit. And it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see, like, the colours. But also, as we know about New Zealand, like, they're such uh, hardy people and there's a lot of uh, meaning behind what they do. So there's a, a lot of cultural significance and they look amazing. They do look amazing. I, like, I, I love seeing Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I keep mentioning leagues, but he's uh, proudly displaying the, the Blues jersey. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of connection to culture, uh, in particular in Maori culture in New Zealand. It's, it's, it's very closely related to a lot of the locations, but there's also Pacifica um, culture represented as well. So it's, uh, it's really good that they've made that important for, for the jerseys in all forms of their kit, their heritage, their home, and their away. Yes, I just have to make a sneaky plug. My favourite one has to be the Crusaders. Crusaders, they're so successful in Super Rugby. Right, and I think maybe it's because like, it's the winning jersey, so I won't put my hands on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> this week in the NRL, they announced a new partnership with the Special Olympics. Yeah, this is great. And and look, the NRL is one of their main values is, is inclusivity and uh, looking to make the sport more inclusive across, across a wider range of people. And um, earlier in the week, a number of players went and took part in some activities with uh, St. Lucie's School in Warunga and on hand, Kennedy Charrington, one of our show's favourites, mm-hmm. uh, to announce that, that relationship with Special Olympics. And yeah, it's great that the NRL has been proactive in making sure that they are um, catering to everyone and, and, and increasing the participation in all formats of the game. Well, I've said this before. I think the NRL is so... Um they're strong on the come through. Like if they say something, they do it and they do it quite well. And I think this is a fantastic initiative and um, inclusivity at every level is important. And I think this will go a long way in uh, inspiring the next gen. And so cool to see Kennedy, as as you uh, mentioned earlier, she was a guest on our show and she's also a really close friend of mine. And I know that that kind of work really sets her heart on fire. So I'm sure there's more to come in that space, but again, fantastic initiative by the NRL. Great announcement. And another announcement coming out of Newcastle is the signing of nine Kiwi Ferns to their inaugural NRLW team. This is huge. Nine players. Nine. 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 Nine players. Um, the Knight CEO, Philip Gardner, he um, said that, you know, this is an incredible opportunity, um, not only for those girls, but it also goes to show that the club can attract international players. So... I just, I'm sorry, I can't get over the fact that nine players are heading over to this side. It's it, huge. It, it is big. And um, I, I guess it's good too from the club because I know there was a, a number of girls that were stranded earlier in the year when yes. um, borders were closed. They'd come over for the 2021 season when it was supposed to be played and ended up getting stranded. So the fact that um, a lot of girls are still keen to, to come over and represent, I know there's a number of locally based players as well, um, but nine Kiwi Ferns players is, is a huge coup for the club and for a new club, they want to have success quickly so that they can gather momentum, and um, this is a good way to do it. I think it's going to be um, a pretty tightly contested season next year. Well said. So much football to look forward to. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Dean, that's all we have time for today.
Yes, but we will be back again, same time, same place next week. So if you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time. You can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll talk here. More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.